Hi there, thank you for listening to Val Pals. This is a little disclaimer I've gone back to add to the first four episodes to warn you that the audio quality is not the greatest, simply because phone calls from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Tulsa, Oklahoma apparently do not have the best audio quality. Who'd have known? However, starting with episode five, we updated our recording system and the audio quality is so much better. So please stick it out through the first four episodes. I think they're pretty funny and you'll enjoy them and then you'll be rewarded with much better audio quality by episode five. Thank you so much. Welcome to episode two of Val Pals. I'm Robert Flippo. And I'm your host, Tyler Welter. All right, and today, episode two, we're going to talk about Real Genius, the second Val Kilmer film. And uh, what we're doing at Val Pals here, we're watching Val Kilmer movies and then trying to take lessons from them, apply them to our lives, make us better people. So today, we'll get into some of those lessons. But first, we're going to backtrack and talk about the lessons that we learned last week episode one when we talked about top secret so i know i took those lessons to heart i don't know about you tyler well i had some uh opening week jitters in getting them to go but i i did some work yeah i definitely like i was all fired up and i was like yeah this is going to be great and then like i guess to recap our self-help advice from last week was uh one of them was to try something new every day, and then the other one was basically to to try and help uh, help people in need when we come across them in our everyday lives. And so, like, after the podcast, I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. going to try all these new things. And then I just woke up with a huge feeling of dread the next day. It's just like, oh, my God, I have to try something new? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> So, like, I basically, I woke up and I was like, I'll just make my bed. We'll call that good. I'll get it over with right now. I'll say, I tried something new. I made my bed. We'll deal with it. So, like, that was, that was going to be it. And then I ended up, you know, it's crazy. I've, I don't remember the last time I made my bed, like, in my own apartment. I made my bed, like, every day whenever I was staying at my girlfriend's parents' house because they let me stay there when I moved out to Albuquerque for a couple months. And so, like, while I was there, I was like, well, this is their house. I should try and keep the room that I'm staying in looking nice. So I actually made the bed. And then as soon as I got my own place, I was like, all right, no more making the bed. This is my house. This is, it was, it was pretty adventurous. I felt really accomplished, <laughs> like, probably too accomplished. I was like, I'm a responsible person. I made my bed. <laughs> Definitely too accomplished. I should have done that, too, because I don't even know how to make a bed. I guess you need some lumber, some tools. <laughs> Terrible. Okay. So there's the thing about coming across people, helping them in everyday life, and what I definitely realized is that I just don't do enough in everyday life to come across people. Yeah, that was going to be a problem with that one. But I actually did run across a lady in distress crying, but failed in my opportunity to do anything about it. She was just like zooming and clearly didn't want to be bothered with anything. But I still felt like I should have done it greedily for my own sake, for the podcast's sake, 
this man like, yeah. no, you, what's wrong with you? I shall help, and you shall like it. Yeah, because like, you sent me a text when it happened, and I was like, oh, that sucks that you missed the opportunity. But I was like, really? I, the last thing she probably wanted was some stranger walking up and being like, hey, what's going on? Like, you obviously, like, feel terrible right now. Let's talk about it. I mean, maybe. Sometimes I, I feel like that's a thing, but, uh, you know, I feel like you can tell when someone is just looking for help or solace and when someone is just not doing okay and needs to yeah. do something. So I was definitely on the lookout for, like, where someone that, like, needs me to jump their car or, yeah. like, help change a tire. But I live, like, a block away from my work, and all I've done this last week is work. So I've traveled all of, like, a mile in the last week. So did not come across anyone's cars needing to be jumped or anything. What I should have done is just I'm hung around grocery stores waiting for a little old lady or man to need something from the top shelf and just done that. <laughs> it's been my number one historic helping others <laughs> exploit. I, I definitely thought you were going to say just like wait and like help somebody carry their bags out. I like that you that is using your massive height to <laughs> yeah, help little yeah. people to reach stuff from the top shelves. That's amazing. Oh, I did uh, help a lady with her cart. Oh my god. Yes. What? There we go. And it wasn't even for the podcast. He didn't even notice it. It was just like, or maybe the podcast has seeped so far into your bones that you did it without even thinking about it. Right. Hell might be generous. She just like asked for my cart to help her walk to the store. But there's no effort at all. I'm trying to think of uh, the other new things that I did this week. I know uh, I applied to be in a comedy festival in Chicago that was it was actually I think it was the first day that we were supposed to try something new and I was all proud of myself for making the bed so I was feeling pretty high and then someone posted on Facebook about the comedy festival and I was like you know what for Val Kilmer I'll apply to this comedy festival doubt I'll make it in but it would be great if I get to this comedy festival and can be like yeah the reason I'm here is because of Val Kilmer. So and that's what I'm really my Val Kilmer podcast. <laughs> and my Val Kilmer podcast, which you can listen to on iTunes or whatever. And you can hang out with all the other comedians there and get them to guest. Right now, I'm definitely hoping to get Soren Bowie on for the Saints podcast, but I don't know how we're going to get his attention appropriately to be on this podcast. Uh, my new adventures were uh, kind of lame in that they were culinary, but I uh, had pho for the first time, and it was delicious, And uh, but I don't know how to use chopsticks, so I just stole a pair at the end and have been practicing with them. Nice. So I'm learning to use chopsticks, and thank you, YouTube, because the instructions on the chopsticks themselves for, like, a sentence. <laughs> I was like, how am I supposed to learn how to use chopsticks with this? Need a chopstick knowing friend. You know how to use chopsticks? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I feel like I learned in high school at some point. I love using chopsticks. Like most Asian food, whenever I eat it with like a fork, I feel like it just doesn't taste as good. 
I don't know. I guess I'm so used to it being like Asian food plus the like hint of wood taste from yeah. chopsticks, cheap chopsticks at that. So I'm like, oh, this Asian food isn't good unless I'm getting splinters in my mouth. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that, that's, that's like a, what everyone says about it, though. It tastes better with chopsticks. Yeah. So then, other than that, I also I started running again. And my, like, so that's not a new thing, but my new twist on it was going and running in the foothills of the Sandia Mountains right by my house, which was pretty awesome. Enjoyed running on the trails out there. That was fun. And I feel like that was pretty much it as far as trying new things, which making my bed, applying for a comedy festival, and running. Oh, no, there was one other thing. Uh, one of the people that I work with, he invited me after we like we finished work at the same time and he was like hey you want to go like grab a beer and eat some pizza um which sounds like an awesome invitation but historically i would say no because hanging out with people is awkward and stressful for me so this was like yeah i was like yeah i'll do it i'll go hang out and so i went and hung out and had a really good pizza and so that was a, that was a cool thing was it a good time? Yeah, it was. It was awesome. I had a great time. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like having friends. <laughs> it's like being a normal person. Yeah, I feel like, uh, sadly, I don't know if it's sadly. I mean, it's good for the podcast, but kind of makes you feel like, what have I been doing with my life before this? That a week after starting my Val Kilmer podcast, I feel like a better person already. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, I've done, I've tried some new things. I feel more positive. I feel like things are going better. Uh, but maybe it's just like now I have something to look forward to every week. That's nice. I'm pretty sure it's the magic of Val Kilmer as a role model. I think, I think that has a lot to do with it. I don't want to like discount what Val Kilmer is doing for us at this point. Uh, speaking of Val Kilmer doing things, how about Real Genius? perfect segue oh but first uh val kilmer doing things in the past we need to talk about some val kilmer trivia oh yeah last week before talking about top secret we had both went on wikipedia and we're looking up some random stuff about val kilmer and then we completely forgot to talk about it because we were so excited to talk about all the stuff in top secret um so we're gonna have a little segment before we get into the movies each week and it'll just be it'll be val trivia so I don't know what uh what was some of the trivia from the the first week that we talked about that you that the listeners need to know about. Uh, that number one best thing was that uh, Bill Kilmer was dating Cher at that time. So like you can see a headshot of Cher in the prison with him, and I was like, that's a random headshot of Cher, and it's slightly less random. But also disturbing to think of that couple. Yeah, it's real weird. And like it at the for some reason at the time with them both being like younger and more attractive seems weirder to me than like if you were to say now like Val Kilmer and Cher were dating. Because I'd kind of be like, they've both kind of gone in weird directions. Maybe it makes sense that those directions met up somehow. Like all yeah, weird Hollywood roads lead to a Val Kilmer and Cher romance. But uh, the fact that, like, Val Kilmer was young and, like, this super eligible bachelor and dating Cher, who I guess was still pretty young at the time, 
but that was that was some weird trivia. My personal favorite piece of trivia was discovering that in '83, Val Kilmer published a collection of poetry entitled "My Edens After Burns," and they were poems inspired by dating Michelle Pfeiffer, which that just like it's hard for me to even like put my brain around that sentence that all of those things are real things that happen. And I guess this book is really, this book of poetry is really hard to come across. Wikipedia says that uh, finding like secondhand copies is like $300. So I was like, okay, surely, you know, there's like a PDF of this online or something. And I go online and try and find it. And the cheapest I can find is like $500. So, People out there paying five hundred dollars for Val Kilmer poetry, and Why it really they... makes me, oh, yeah, it makes me wish I had five hundred extra dollars, or even like three hundred extra dollars, and then two hundred dollars out of my food budget, and I'll just like not eat very well for a couple months so that I can read Val Kilmer poetry. I think the moral of the story is Val Kilmer needs to re-release this book of poetry. Yeah, he does. All right, so I guess that's. Valkyrie trivia. Hopefully, you learned something. We'll we'll be sprinkling in some more Valkyrie trivia throughout as we come across more of it. So now, I guess we get to move into talking about Real Genius, the second Valkyrie feature. Uh, thoughts, impressions. Uh, I think that's like a long time ago, and uh, didn't remember if I liked it or not. I remembered popcorn at the end being fun, and it still was. But uh. Overall, I kind of loved every second of Al Kilmer and not many seconds of the rest of it. Yeah, that's definitely that's similar to how I felt. And like, I I thought that I had seen this movie, and now what I'm realizing is that I had seen the end the with the popcorn, and then I've seen all of Weird Science and somehow put those two together <laughs> in my head. I was like, Anthony Michael Hall's not in this movie at all. So that was exactly. kind of that was kind of interesting for me to realize that all this time I thought that I had seen Real Genius and apparently had not. And real quick, I'm gonna give you the synopsis that IMDB has, which is the worst synopsis. Teenage geniuses deal with their abilities while developing a laser. Which is like if you've seen the movie, that's kind of true, but it definitely kind of makes it seem like they're handicapped in some way. I don't know, like dealing with their abilities. It's like they're either mutants or X-Men. Or, yeah. <laughs> so like they're either X-Men or special in a different way. And I thought the whole thing was going to be focused on Val Kilmer because he's on the cover of the DVD that I bought. And the first, like, 30 minutes is all about some other kid. And I was not super impressed with that. Because I guess I don't, it's like... I kind of don't want to come off, like, the super hardest Val Kilmer fanboy. Like, I think we're probably going to have some criticism from him eventually. But I just, again, thought his comedic presence and timing was just great. I Yeah, I agree. Because, uh... <clears throat> In a lot of ways, the movie is, like, pretty dated in the stuff that happens, especially because, like, it's about science, and in the 
80s. So, like, anytime there's computers and stuff like that, it's old computers. But even, like, the comedy style is a very 80s style, except for Val Kilmer. And he just gives this, like, timeless performance, and it's great. Uh, just, like, just enough over the top to be super entertaining without becoming annoying. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why I thought of this, but the entire time, I guess not the entire time, but, like, for the first, like, 30 minutes, you know, there's it's all these uh, super smart people at this college, and they're all, like, science people. And they're all, like, really fun characters. And it just made me think of why I hate the Big Bang Theory so much. <laughs> and that it's, like, a similar thing of, like, there's these, like, smart people, but they're just, like, very boring characters. And there's, like, hardly anything that distinguishes them other than, like, they go over the top in the Big Bang Theory. And I don't really need to make this a podcast about the Big Bang Theory, but I was just, like, watching this movie about smart people, and it was like, you can do things about smart people and have it be, like, funny and interesting and have character and not just be, like, a, like, smart stereotype, which... Yeah. The only character was, like, the manic uh, love interest of the 15-year-old who was, like, 19... Which I guess is okay, but I yeah, don't know. I think that's that's another thing that was like I guess nineteen year olds dating fifteen year olds is okay in the eighties, but it seems way weirder now. Like yeah. I don't know what it was about Reagan being president that made that seem fine, but <laughs> that seems to be the case. Uh, one of the interesting trivia bits I saw was that that manic character, the uh, the love interest of the fifteen year old kid was the inspiration for Gadget on Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers, which I thought was kind of awesome. That is mind-blowing. Yeah, I can thank Wikipedia for that bit of trivia. That was pretty cool, because I used to love that show. So this movie is just like 80s all over, but another one is, I think it had around 8,000 montages, roughly speaking. Yeah. On my, I didn't write as many notes this week as I did last week, but one of the ones I did write was just, there's nothing like an 80s montage. <laughs> and that was approximately like 15 minutes into the movie where there had already been seven different montages. <laughs> I think there's only was, actually like three or four, but that, that certainly was, feels like a lot more. Yeah, and they were really long montages. Like... Yeah, Long he went enough through an entire semester, essentially, <laughs> in one effort on the, He went to, like, 800 classes. Yeah, and it felt like I was sitting there for an entire semester watching those montages. I, I, I like the that math was... joke. <laughs> so it was just, like, everyone taping math. Yeah. <laughs> the strangest bit. That was weird. Uh, there's this bit <laughs> in the movie where Mitch is, like, going to class and... At first you see, like, he's in class and the class is full. And then you see, like, the class is kind of full. And then there are, like, a couple random boom boxes. It's, like, hanging out. And I was like, that's a weird thing to be happening. And then, like, the next time it cuts back to that, it's him alone. And then all the desks are covered in, like, boom boxes and tape recorders because people are taping the lecture. But some of them, their desks have giant boom boxes. Like, Radio Rahim just, like, was there and left his boom box. So that he could go 
you know, throw a trash can through a window or whatever, and then come back and then pick up the math lecture. So that I was, yeah, it was really weird. I didn't understand what was happening until like way, probably way too late. And I, maybe that's a sign of the times for us not understanding the, yeah. like taping lectures like that. Clearly, boombox is equal recording in all yeah. in 1985. I I wanted to talk about the way that this movie opens because I don't know if you remember super clearly, but it opens with a little like short movie demonstration of the super laser that the army's trying to build, and then it has this like scene where the army guys are sitting there around talking about the laser and like what they want it for. And it's this, like, really crazy, over-the-top, like, Dr. Strangelove, like, type conversation that's going on. And then it just goes into this, like, college movie. And it was it was really weird. Totally, it's entirely different than the movie. And I I don't know why it's there. Yeah, that's to kill the guy who thought this was morally objectionable. Yeah. So this movie starts I... off with a murder, and then it's, like, college <laughs> hijinks from there. <laughs> Yeah, it was very, very strange. And, like, there were some funny lines in there, and then some things that, like, some real head scratchers, like, they say, they ask someone for clarification, and he's like, yeah, that's clear as vodka. And I'm like, is that a thing that people say, that's clear as vodka? I Yeah, well, it is clear. I, it's true, but that's not something that I, I've never heard that. All right, so... There might have just been a weird break that you heard, and that was me editing out a very stupid joke by Tyler <laughs> that he requested be taken out. So that might be that I, break. I regret everything. But we're talking about uh, the intro to the movie and that it sets up that there's this laser that's being made. And I guess the whole the whole movie is like, you know, it's geniuses on this campus. They're working on some sort of science project thing and it unbeknownst to them they're working on a secret laser for the government and we the audience know that because of the scene at the beginning and part of me wishes that they wouldn't have told us that at the beginning and that the reveal to Val Kilmer and his young protege would be the same to the audience that like oh my god this entire time they've been building a laser to kill people I think that would have been a little more interesting yeah and effective but it, the whole movie doesn't really leave a whole lot unsaid. It definitely kind of hits everything on the nose with the way that it's like it's a really tight script in that everything gets used again. Like if you go back and watch the first like 30 minutes, you're going to see all of those same things come into play in like the last 30 minutes, which is like really good, clever screenwriting. But uh, I think that might be the the kind of thing where in the 80s we hadn't seen a million movies yet and now we've all seen so many movies that we expect those kind of things so if they had played it like oh it's going to be this college movie and then all of a sudden wait no now they've got to stop the military from using this laser and it would have been this like interesting tonal shift and i think that's how the movie would have played out if it was made now but at the time they were just like yep play it super straightforward uh there there still is a shift for the, the last act that it essentially becomes a keeper film of them trying to foil the laser's big debut. And that is the part where, like, all the non-Valcomer parts took off for me. I, I enjoyed the last act throughout. Yeah, the last act was pretty great. 
it definitely there's a lot of like funny a lot of funny imagery and a lot of funny stuff that happens and then some of it some of it was really weird that like they're these super geniuses and basically the best idea they have is just like to wear a fake mustache to sneak into an air force base i'm like you guys can't come up with anything better than a fake mustache but i guess time was limited for them so fake mustache Uh, was the best they could do yeah, and this film also does the uh, the classic, your character is a genius, how do we show that off? Oh, Mitch noticed to flip a switch, and he fixed the laser. Yeah, that's like when Mitch, uh, when Mitch goes on campus for the first time, and people are like, oh, you're only 15, we don't know, we don't think you're smart or whatever. They're trying to push him around, and then he's like, aha, I'll push the switch, and it makes the experiment work right. And it's like, oh, yeah, what a genius for pushing that switch. Takes a keen intellect to realize. <laughs> Turn this knob left ways. Like, Val Kilmer's performance in this, like we already mentioned, is definitely, like, the best part of the movie. And as far as I was thinking about while watching it that if, you know, part of our goal is to become better people, that Val Kilmer in this movie is actually not the best role model. Because um, yeah. he's actually like, like super... a pretty rude person most of the time. Yeah. He's like a super genius that just like squanders his talent kind of and uses it to like goof around and play pranks. Yeah, play pranks, doesn't take anything seriously. And it's like, oh, I mean, not that I'm a super genius, but like, who's to say I'm not a super genius? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm doing the same kind of things. It's like, I could be doing something with my degree, but instead goofing around. So I think it's probably, I guess one of the things is I'm glad, I'm probably glad I didn't see this movie when I was like 14 and legitimately thought I was a super genius because then I would have been like, oh my God, I need to be Val Kilmer and real genius. And the thought of that is terrifying. Oh, the thought of that's exciting to me. Not for me also being like, ah, I'm a smart guy. I should be like Val Kilmer, but the thought of knowing you and being <laughs> your friend school. as Chris, <laughs> and that would have been an awesome time. Oh, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite gags in the movie is there's like the professor that's in charge of the experiment, and he's the one that's like he knows that it's going to the government and it's going to be used as this weapon, and so he's like the main villain of the film and he's like building this new house with government money because he's building them this weapon. And for some reason there's just like a great Dane that keeps showing up on his front yard. And he's always like, get out of here, dog. What are you doing? And it happens like four times throughout the movie and they never really explain it. Like it's just, he walks up to his house, a dog appears and he's like, get away. And then they just call back to it like way too many times throughout the movie. And I really appreciated them having a gag that made no sense. <laughs> I guess it's just kind of like to show what a bad guy he is. Yeah. You know, like when you want to show someone's a good guy, you like have them pet the cat. If you have uh, want to show your guy's a villain, you have them yell at the dog. Classic tropes. Sense. Yeah. But they just like, they went back to it so many times. <laughs> I was like, what is the point of this? He was even there to enjoy the popcorn at the end. Yeah, I was I was very glad whenever he came back at the end because he like 
the villain walks up to his house, and then I was like, that dog better show up. That better be what happens. And he did. I was like, there we go. Solid movie making right there. Bring the dog back. So, Val Kilmer, uh, it's two for two so far of both having a dearth of good female characters in the movies, but on the positive side, he's also two for two for having awesome entitles. This week, uh, it was just set to Tears for Fears. Yeah, it was. Which, chances are, you've already heard Tears for Fears, because I think that's how I'm going to start this podcast. So we still not made a jingle? And by we, I mean you. Yeah, eventually I'll probably get around to making some theme music, but that's a little bit of work. So maybe maybe Val Kilmer will inspire me to do that. I think I'm going to try and keep, like, with the self-help advice of trying something new every day. So maybe one of those new things I'll do will be making theme music for a podcast. But I really like the uh, the motivation that that gives for trying something new. So whatever we do this week, we'll do that. And then I'm going to keep... The, the lesson from that from last week as well. Yeah, we want them to accumulate. We don't want to get rid of past lessons. We just yeah. want to keep adding on. So I'm trying to think, uh, is there anything else? Because we're already over 30 minutes. Is there anything else that we wanted to talk about uh, regarding the movie specifically? Like any favorite oh, yeah, parts that you had? <laughs> like the one part of this movie that I also makes no sense, yet I loved, was this, like, uh, secret tunnel in the back of their closet. When you first got in there, I was convinced this was, like, somehow a part of the Underground Railroad. And, like, <laughs> maybe the twist was this was, like, 1850 the whole time. And they're developing space lasers. <laughs> I really wanted that for, like, a split second. Doesn't make much sense, but I... I would have been awesome. It's like, oh, why are we developing this super laser for Harriet Tubman? Like, what? <laughs> I would watch that movie. <laughs> of all the people I would trust with a super laser, I think Harriet Tubman would be near the top of the list. Yeah. Oh, man. I think that needs to be the quote that is used to sell this podcast to people. <laughs> trying to think of that rest of, of that list people- now. Of all the people I trust with a super laser, Harriet Tubman is at the top of the list. <laughs> Muhammad Gandhi, Prince, Harriet Tubman. <laughs> That's my top three. Yeah, I would trust Prince. <laughs> the more I think about it, I'm like, I would trust Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, natural. Let's see, were there other <clears throat> were there other good gags that I miss? Um one of the highlights of Val Kilmer's acting in this movie is there's a point when he starts having to take his uh, college work seriously again because he's about to get kicked out in his last semester of college and he wants to graduate so he has to start taking everything seriously and he's like studying in the park and then like a girl walks by and there's this look on Val Kilmer's face of just like wanting to get up and pursue this girl and but he knows he has to stay there and study, and he has this amazing look on his face that was probably just like a look that Val Kilmer has had many a time, like being in the middle of something. He's like, I'm so deep in character, but there's a hot chick nearby. Like, Cher just walked by, but I'm in the middle of a scene. (laughs) And he's just like, so it's this, this look that he's obviously practiced many times, and it's amazing. That was... That was a highlight for me. I want to just uh, like consider 
a parallel universe where Val Kilmer just keeps doing comedy roles. Yeah. That would have been great. Not that uh, all of his serious drama works were were pretty good, too, but uh, he's just so surprisingly great as a comedic leading man. Yeah, so. and it's weird uh, that he's so great in comedies, and we're already basically at the end of his era in comedies. Because it's like, after this, we go into Top Gun. And then it's just, like, over. It's like, I want more of this. I did have an interesting thought, uh, too, that, uh, you know, so he started off being great in comedies. Then he became Batman. And does that sound like anyone else you know? I think it's time for Val Kilmer's Birdman. Coming soon. <laughs> Calling it now. The Val Kilmer Renaissance is on the horizon. I was really hoping it was going to be, uh, like, Christian Bale. And then you're like, yeah. So, like, Val Empire Kilmer... Empire of the Sun, hilarious. <laughs> well, so he's like, so Val Kilmer, comedies, does Batman, and then there are some more, like, comedic roles after Batman. And so then I was like, yeah, Christian Bale, Newsies, does Batman... <laughs> Then comes back and does another musical, so that's that's what I was hoping for. But that's that's more my own personal baggage on that one. I think parallels between Michael Keaton <laughs> seems, seems uncanny much, so far. Much more obvious. Yours was a direct parallel. <laughs> Mine was just I want to see Christian Bale in a musical, so I worked <laughs> really hard to come up with that parallel. <laughs> Not a unnatural desire. All right, so are we ready to wrap up? Yep, I think we can uh, talk about the lessons we learned. I feel like we already mentioned there was. Uh, I feel like there are a lot of anti lessons that I learned from Val Comer in this. Yeah, good negative role model. So it was a little bit harder for me to pinpoint exactly what I wanted, but I finally came up with something. But I'll let I'll let you go first. What was your well, you you already kind of mentioned it, uh, that part of him buckling down and not chasing after that lady is, a, you know, a good example of, you know, don't let distractions happen. you got to buckle down and get your business done. Tyler Welter. Especially Swearing when hot ladies turn around. <laughs> Swearing off the ladies for a time. <laughs> and various other, you know, YouTube Especially ladies on YouTube. <laughs> oh, that Allison Brie. That's a good. I mean, that is a good, uh, a good lesson to take away, of focusing on the things that are important to you, and getting rid of a few distractions. So that's definitely. I know that's something that I need to work on. So I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. I feel like mine is probably mine's probably similar, uh, but it's kind of. It take, it's uh, referencing something that happened in Val Kilmer's character before the movie in that uh, his character was a super genius and studied really hard. And then what happens is he kind of has this realization after his – he says for the first three years. So I guess it's his junior year ends. And then he has this realization of if he keeps like focusing only on doing the science stuff, he's going to end up – like kind of cracking under the pressure and all of that. And so he sees like where his like current lifestyle is headed towards. 
and then he reinvents himself as this kind of wild and crazy guy that's the super genius but uses it in hilarious and fun ways. So my self-help advice, I was wanting something a little practical, and this isn't super practical, but it's to think about, I guess, what it would take to reinvent yourself in some sort of manner. So, like, thinking about what you're doing now and where that would lead you to, and then think about if you were to reinvent yourself in some way in order to, like, end up in a different direction. Not necessarily, because I don't want to say, yeah, go reinvent yourself, because I think that's not really the purpose of the podcast isn't to become different people. It's just to become better people at who we are. So it's like, think about what it would take to reinvent yourself and then think about what the good aspects of that are and see if you can apply those. So like for me, it's like right now I'm a very creative leaning person and that my pursuits are like comedy, writing, filmmaking, doing podcasts and stuff. And so it's like, if I was going to reinvent myself and kind of go the other direction and be like, Oh, then I'd be doing, I'd get like a nine to five job with, you know, like responsibility and all this stuff. And I think there are good aspects of that, that like the responsibility and um, I guess like the drive. Yeah. So maybe taking some of those and trying to think about how I could apply them to comedy and that sort of stuff in order to be more productive in the things that I want to do instead of only treating them as hobbies trying to remember that, oh, this is the stuff that I actually want to do for the rest of my life. So I shouldn't just treat it like, oh, yeah, I can skip these open mics because I don't need to go to them. It's like, oh, no, I should actually, like, do that. So that's a little little more outside the box than do something new every day. But That was, uh, like, champagne levels of getting there. <laughs> to walk into it. You have to put that yeah, back in. So, <laughs> The champagne callback. Uh, Go back to the joke I don't want in the podcast. <laughs> yep. So I think, uh, yeah, got pretty philosophical for the second episode of our Val Kilmer podcast. Well, he did quote Socrates, so it kind of was a philosophical sort of episode. That's true. There was He has a quote where uh, when he's talking about why he reinvented himself, and he's like, all science, no philosophy. So distilling that and uh, taking that to be our... Uh, one of my takeaways is add that philosophy in. So we'll see how we manage to do that this next week. Talk about the ways we would reinvent ourselves. Hopefully as an android for me. At least cyborg. Probably cyborg. I wouldn't want to be a full android. But all right. So, yeah, those are our lessons. We'll try and put those to practice this week. We hope and you do, too. Week. Yeah, and that's a good segue to uh, I made a Facebook group on the Facebook. It's just Val Pals. Uh, so you can go and like us there and talk about if you happen to be, you know, trying to follow some self-help advice, become a better person like we are, and uh, we can share some stories. Hashtag do it for Val. So, yeah. I think uh, we'll call that a podcast and hopefully we'll outro to Tears for Fears.